0: That's going to be a hard sermon to follow. (laughs) I'll give it a shot. If you are a consequential person or community, it's important to have a great origin story. And that tale may be based on facts, but it should contain enough art to inspire history of events and people that explains why things are the way they are, how a career or community came to be, and what its place is in the world. A great origin story doesn't stay moored in the past. It also propels the ones it describes into the future because it establishes core values, belief, and purpose. As a culture, we have heard some great origin stories, and some of them are even true. We know that socially awkward Peter Parker became Spider-Man when he was bitten by a radioactive spider. And from then on, he used his powers to help people who couldn't help themselves. We know how Spider-Man will respond to danger because of Peter Parker's experience and his moral code. There's an origin story for how Austin became the live music capital of the world. It involves hippies and cowboys and business owners in an extraordinary coalition that has spilled over into just about every aspect of life here. And that story is the reason we have such great fusion music and food And it's the reason we embrace being weird. Each of us has an origin story, perhaps more than one. And these stories describe how our parents met, or how we ended up in Texas after living other places, or why we decided to name our children the way we did. But there are origin stories that are bigger than those stories. And in our tradition, the grandest of them is the one we heard today from Genesis. And it's so central that the word Genesis itself comes from the opening phrase, in the beginning. Nothing comes before this story. It's the basis upon which the rest of our stories are told. It establishes our core values, our beliefs, and our purpose. Now, there's a lot we could tease out of this story, about God bringing order out of chaos, or the sequence of events, or even the importance of Sabbath as part of creation. But today, I want to focus on how this story informs the way we interact with creation, our role within it, and our relationship to God who created it. Specifically, I see in this poetic description of creation a mandate for us to care for it. There are a couple of verses in particular that I think tell us the nature of God and humankind, as well as how we are to live as part of creation. The story says, God created humanity in God's own image. After separating the waters and the light from the dark, after raising up plants and forming swimming, flying, and crawling animals, God created humans. And what made us different was being made in God's own image. What does that mean? Then, the story says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and master it. Some translations say, have dominion over it. Again, what does that mean? We've pretty successfully filled the earth. My goodness, there are even people living in Antarctica now. But what does it mean for us to master creation? These two aspects of creation and our own human nature have been the subject of analysis and debate ever since they were first written. And they were also at the heart of our approach to caring, or not, for creation. For some, being made in God's image means humans are a sort of like little gods who can do as we wish with what we've been given. Having dominion means we have total freedom with how we use or interact with the world and life around us. As you may guess, that is not my understanding at all. There are clues within the story itself, as well as the chapters and books that follow about what God intends for our role in creation to be. After all, even before humans entered the scene, God has called all of creation good So at the very least, one of our responsibilities as guardians is to see creation through God's eyes and know that it is good, that God has blessed it. We can also see that our mastery or dominion is part of the ongoing relationship we have with each other, with God, and with the rest of creation. We are in the midst of it. We are part of it, not separate from it. Genesis tells the story of God being in relationship with creation and setting up our relationship with God and the rest of creation. Humans, animals, plants, we are made for each other. This relationship has rules and limits. If we look ahead into Scripture, our mastery over plants and animals doesn't mean we can do whatever we want. The creation story is the beginning of Scriptural teachings about how we should treat the environment, but it is not the sum of those teachings. For instance, later in Scripture, God tells us that the land must be harvested in ways that leave food for the poor that animals and fields should have Sabbath rest. God gives us mastery, but also expects that mastery to include care for the poor and care for land and animals. And those are just some of the limitations on our role. Our origin story teaches us that to be human and to have mastery over plants and animals Mean that we are to treat them with care and in ways that respect the goodness of creation. We are to interact with all the gifts God has given us in ways that promote the well-being of other humans and all the created order. This is part of what it means to be made in the image of God, to see the goodness in creation and see ourselves as honoring the goodness in it. And it is what God means when humans are given the gift and responsibility of mastery over creation, that we are caretakers. Our origin story doesn't end with this episode in Genesis. There is another whole aspect of our origin that underscores what Christians claim about God, creation, and our role in relationship to both God and creation our origin story includes jesus and an understanding of god as a trinity of father son and holy spirit now there are many ways to describe the trinity and some of them are more helpful than others but the one that i find most helpful and the one that casey alluded to this morning is that Trinity shows us that God is a relationship. The relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is the love that flows between them and overflows in such a way that it creates the world, including us we and all that we can see and touch and experience are all the result of the overflowing love of God. And this God, this love, longs to be in relationship with us and for us to be in relationship with each other. The God that created us and all there is, this triune God, entered creation. In Jesus, we know that our God not only loved us enough to join us and the plants and the animals, our God loved us enough to show us what mastery and dominion looks like in person. Jesus did not dominate creation, and most especially, he did not dominate humankind the way some of us have assumed we can control the rest of creation. When God entered our earthly existence, it was to show compassion for the hurting, provide care for the vulnerable, celebrate beauty, and use the gifts of creation to praise and honor God. Today we have a beautiful reminder of our origin story, that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit created all there is, including us, out of love. And love is the spirit in which we have been given guardianship of creation. When we have questions or doubts about how we are to relate to God or to the environment, we can look to our origin story for guidance. God created out of love, gave life and abundance to us out of love, and charges us to tend it all lovingly. Amen.